Hey everyone, this is Dr. Tim Cummings. And this is Dr. Jess Cummings. And this is the Healthy Kansas City Podcast. This week on the Healthy Kansas City Podcast, we are interviewing Dr. Lee Wagner, who is an integrative and functional medicine dietitian in virtual private practice. She helps people resolve chronic pain, fatigue, and digestive problems using personalized nutrition. She's the co-editor of the textbook, Integrative and Functional Medical Nutrition Therapy, Principles and Practices, and she is also the creator of the online program, Mind Your Body, that helps women tune into their bodies to build trust and apply practical nutrition to thrive in everyday life. And we will definitely link that in our show notes so you guys can find her program online on her website. Yeah, Lee is just an all-star. She is one of our favorite dietitians and integrative medicine practitioners. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this podcast because we dive into so many different topics. Um, we talk about Jess's work with Lee, um, Lee's journey into nutrition, what she found really worked well and where she found there were kind of gaps in the education system for dietitians and nutritionists and how she really sought out a uh, higher understanding of how food interacts with the body and how to make that a personal experience for everybody. You know, we talk about topics um, like social support and habit building. Um, we talk about just even language around food, you know, this idea that there's like clean or dirty food or there's good food or there's bad food or there's cheat days and really kind of blow up that idea of moralizing food and understanding that it's like, hey, you know, there's no list that fits every single person. And you've got to figure out what works for you. And the great thing about Lee is she's very open to having that conversation. She's not dogmatic about everybody needs to eat this way. And what that results in, I think, is just better results for her clients because her clients feel listened to and they realize that they have some agency over what they're doing. They're not getting a prescription for how they're supposed to eat for the rest of their lives. And like we talked about with Lee, it is a, a lifelong journey. It's not a destination in terms of figuring out how to eat. That changes over time and in context, depending where you're at in your life. Yep. And our practice really embodies the food as medicine idea that is becoming more popular today, which I love because you and I have really, um, we have personal experience with that. My autoimmune issues are controlled by lifestyle and diet. Um, food really is medicine or can be medicine if you utilize that in the right way and you have great practitioners in your corner that can help personalize that process to you, personalize your nutrition, your diet, your lifestyle. And Lee just does such a great job of that. And we just love um, seeing clients that come from her and working with her and helping our clients get to her if they need it because she is just a phenomenal addition to just kind of a well-rounded, healthy lifestyle that we really discuss with most of our clients here at Restore Thrive. So, yeah, you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So, uh, take a listen. Make sure to leave a review if you're listening on iTunes and enjoy it. All right, guys, welcome to the Health, Healthy Kansas City podcast. It is a rainy day in Kansas City, so we're hanging out inside talking to Dr. Lee Wagner, who is a phenomenal dietitian, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear her story because what you do, Lee, is phenomenal. So we're going to let you take it from here and kind of tell our listeners just how you got into dietetics and what interested you and kind of the path that led you to what you do today. Yeah. 
Well, I'm so excited to be here with you too. And I have so much respect for the work that you do. And it's fun to collaborate with other kind of like-minded and holistic providers. Um, it makes working with clients so much smoother and just better for them. So fun to be here with you and I'm excited for your podcast. Um, yeah. So I got into dietetics kind of a, in an accidental way. I was actually a pre-business major in college and um, just hanging out in one of my friend's dorm rooms and her roommate was reading or was taking a nutrition class. And so I opened it, there was a textbook laying on the couch and I just started reading. <laughs> I was essentially realized after, you know, 15 minutes of getting engrossed in this textbook, I'm like, I am literally studying for someone else's test. And so I, I think it must have been the end of the freshman year. So in through that summer, I was like, maybe I should consider changing my major. So I was a, an athlete, a high jumper, and I went to my athletic advisor and he's like, no, you shouldn't. And I was like, well, how much longer am I going to high jump versus how much longer I'm going to have my career? So I checked in with an academic advisor and they were like, you know, you can, I switched my major to dietetics and um really what gosh there's so many like directions to go with my experience there but I actually got done with my conventional dietetics degree and was I don't want to say disappointed but a little bit in I kind of had the thought that I was going to learn about how certain foods would you know be therapeutic for the body and it was more about like calorie counting and um we had to do like management classes and food science cooking classes, which were actually pretty fun and interesting, but it was a little bit different than what I thought I was going to learn. But for dietitians, we have to do an internship. So I did my internship. Um, I actually took a year off, came down to Kansas city, did my internship. And when I started my internship in Kansas city, uh, one of my professors mentioned that a department called integrative medicine was building a demonstration kitchen and that could teach cooking classes to patients at KU. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the type of care. Like I wanted to be able to actually teach people how to do all this stuff that we were um, teaching people about or learning about. So I introduced myself to Lisa Markley, who is a dietitian in integrative medicine and said, how can I help you? I just wanna volunteer however I can. So I volunteered for, to help teach cooking classes. So when I was in the department, the doctors would come into the kitchen and like chat and these are medical doctors, MDs talking about nutrients and biochemistry and food and like food in a therapeutic way. And it was just so different than just like macros and calories. And um, it was more on like the biochemical level and they were testing labs and I was like, what is this? <laughs> so then when I had to choose my master's research, um, I knew I wanted to do it in, in integrative medicine if I could. And one of my um, professors was really generous in letting me be kind of make, make my own way. And so I studied methylation, which is a really specific um, biochemical process, how we move carbon around the body. Um, and looking into charts about methylation markers, which is a very nerdy way of just saying that it's looking at like the vitamin levels and how it influences like hormones and our brain chemistry and detoxification. So 
all that to say, I got further and deeper into that. And when I graduated, um, that dietitian ended up having a baby and they hired me to cover her maternity leave at Integrated Medicine. And maternity leave turned into eight years at KU Integrated Medicine. And um, it all started with me just reading someone else's textbook on it in a <laughs> dorm room. <laughs> Opening that book and studying for somebody else's test. That's funny. We talk about that all the time, like how interests develop and you know I, I think you can't even force that thing I think it's really cool how you just kind of recognized it's like wait a minute I really like this thing you know it's okay. like I, I use that example it's like you know you, you can want to like be good at math but you, you remember there's always those subjects like in school it's like no matter how hard you tried it's like it just wasn't fun it wasn't engaging okay. you know and I feel very much that way. And I know Jess does too about, you know, being a PT and me being a strength coach. It's like, man, I want to know like as much as I can about like the human body, like how it works, how we kind of optimi optimize performance and longevity, you know, and that piece. And it, it it's so funny. It sounds so similar with you and like integrative dietetics where you're like, mm, I want to know how this thing works from like the inside out and you know, how that kind of led you down your path. That's, that's super cool. So I don't want to like hijack this, this conversation, but, but you're I, gonna, aren't you? yeah, well, <laughs> I, I just, I'm really excited to get you on Lee because you have been just like such a, a life changer for Jess, you know, and, and taking care of the person who takes care of me um, just means a ton to me. And so I, I think maybe we could take like a short detour at least and kind of talk about Jess. Let me just go over the basics. I really here. don't want to do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, Jess has always been like just like high achiever, hard charger, like you know, great athlete. Like, I'm the oldest. I'm Type A. Yeah. Like yeah, super, <laughs> super strong, super athletic. You know, and then we layer on top of that, she's got a doctoral degree in physical therapy. Like we started our own PT practice. She's had three kids, and then she's been you know hypo and hyperthyroid, you know, as well, which we discovered after we got together and we've been able to kind of navigate all that with, with your help. And now she's sitting at, how old are you now? Do we need to do the math Do we have quick? to say? I'm <laughs> so, 35 folks. Yeah. 35. <laughs> but yeah, like we were talking before we, we, we started recording and, and Jess is just like, just continuing to like set the bar high, like back squatting more than her body weight. Like deadlifting like 200 pounds for reps, you know, like sprinting and like, you know, still managing all this other stuff. And people look at her and they're like, oh, it's just genetics. And I'm like, I, I hate to say it, but like both Jess and I are kind of like genetic trash cans, you yeah, know, like we're, not, it, like, so. we're not the elite of the elite, but we've had so much help from like you with Jess and like my work with integrative dietetics as well. So can we, can we at least talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, Lee, you know this about me because you did my genetic testing. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, I'm probably misremembering, but it wasn't terrible. But I definitely have some issues with how I process toxins. I've got, I mean, thyroid genetic markers that would, you know, make me predisposed to that. I've got sensitivity to gluten, which I didn't find out till I was 25, 28. Anyways, well, well into my life and had been eating gluten for you know, the first three more than two decades. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was life changing for me with my story. And I didn't even realize it until after I stopped eating certain foods and changing what I was eating, how I was eating, 
getting some supplements on board and then tweaking things with you over time where I didn't do genetic testing until much later. You know, that was more like, Hey, let's just see, cause I'm curious and you're curious. And, you know, we both have our degrees and we want to know more. So did that. And that was helpful too, but I just love what you do. I love referring patients to you when I hear certain triggers from them, things are telling me, I'm like, man, you have to go see Lee because this was life-changing for me. Like she can change your life. And like, I've personally seen that experience where I feel better in my mid thirties, as like Tim said, a, a working mom of three very small active children, being a business owner, treating patients than I ever did in my twenties. And I didn't realize that in my twenties, you know, like I didn't realize it until after I felt better. Mm-hmm. Well, it's important for people to know that it's not like on the outside sometimes. And I, you know, we're always, even you guys seeing me like slouching in front of my computer, you guys are probably, like <laughs> sit up, Come put on your now. feet on the floor. <laughs> Lee, why are but you sitting? You should be standing. <laughs> I should be, I should pick up my computer and stand, but we're constantly assessing people. But sometimes what's going on outside doesn't reflect what's going on inside. And sometimes mm-hmm. we call that like walking wounded where they look like they're fine, but they're actually, um, I don't want to say a mess inside, but you know, you probably don't look a lot different from when you were feeling horrible in your twenties to now, but your world's different in how you're functioning, how you're, you know, feeling. And so it, it's kind of, I think there's a misperception in that there's a ton of work that goes into it. So I always am telling clients, like, you're not choosing the easy road by working with me because it's a lot of work, but you're choosing the road that is way more sustainable in terms of the outcomes over a long period of time versus like, sure, you can take a pill to lower your cholesterol, but that's literally just lowering your cholesterol. It's not necessarily changing all the other factors that play into your heart health. So, Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, with PT, the whole body is connected. You know this because we're looking at ankle motion and relating that to how it may affect your low back pain or, you know, things like that. Um, same, Same with you, right? Like if you just supplement with one thing or you only look at one thing with those people's biomarkers, it can really wreak havoc if you're not looking at the big picture and thinking about everything, right? Right. And it's like when you mentioned doing genetic testing, I think it's best to do that, if at all, at the very end, because there are little tweaks. Like I just had one consult with, (laughs) I get a lot of, I bet you guys do too, like a healthcare providers or really like academic people, because they want like the knowledge, they want the information, Mm -hmm. they know the science. And so Um, she's a scientist too. And we're really, cause she's doing all the life, like typical lifestyle changes, even like cleaning up her environment and how she's eating and moving. She has all that dialed in, but she's still having issues. And so that's the role of really nitty gritty, like looking at the genetics and seeing how nutrition can influence genetic expression at like a nutrient level and not just, cause if we're looking big picture, you know, our gene, how we influence our genes expressing our, you know, managing stress and sleeping eight hours a night during dark hours, not during the day, um, eating, you know, healthy food and movement and all of that. Those are, but if you're still having issues, then that's where you might need to dig a little bit deeper. And that's the kind of work that you guys do, which is really fun, (laughs) but also um, more nuanced, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's kind of what we look at too. It kind of sounds like your, your approach is very much the same. It's like, we want to 
pick off like those big kind of red flags first. It's like, you know, for us, it's like, well, if you're not standing up straight, like, mm, I don't think anything else is going to work very well for you, you know, and it kind of sounds like the same with you. It's like, if you're not kind of in this space where you understand like what's real food and like maybe how to prepare a simple meal at home and things like that, like that sounds like kind of maybe the first step before we get down this road of like, you know, customized, you know, individualized nutrition. Yeah. yeah. And, and our sure. listeners don't know this. I don't know if you mentioned this, but so Lee, you have your own business right now, correct? Mm-hmm. So you went off on your own a couple years ago. I feel like time's yeah. flying. How long ago yeah. was it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not misremembering that. Um, so I would love for our listeners just to hear, you know, who do you love to work with? Um, who's your ideal client? Um, and what do you do when they come to see you? What's kind of, what, what should they expect? my <laughs> ideal client. <laughs> um, yeah, I love working with people. I primarily work with women that just tends to be kind of the clientele naturally, but um, usually helping people with getting their energy back. A lot of hormone issues, which are often tied in with gut, gut problems. I did my, my research for my PhD dissertation in IBS, so I'm comfortable and really um, worked with tons and tons of clients in different types of IBS or even inflammatory bowel diseases. So a lot of gut, gut issues, chronic pain, um, energy problems, um, hormone-related symptoms like PMS or irregular periods. A lot of people, I definitely work with a lot of um, women with thyroid. thyroid, and, and a lot of that kind of goes together. So it seems a lot of times in integrative and functional um, medicine and nutrition you kind of see the big picture of things where people are like, well, I have this problem and I have this problem and I have this problem. And you say, yeah, okay, of course you would, because those are all connected in this way. When the way that we're kind of taught in conventional thinking is that this is a separate problem to solve. Like the blood pressure is separate from the uh, cholesterol, from the thyroid, from the breast cancer. and, And really it all kind of starts in the same metabolic place in a way. Um, again, there's nuance to that, but the, those are the types of problems that I love helping people solve. I tend to get people who have done a lot on their own. Like I just talked to someone right before this. They've done a lot of elimination diets or they've tried paleo or keto or vegan or whatever. And they're just like, I don't know what's right for me. So usually it's pretty highly motivated people that have already done a lot on their own and they can't kind of figure out what's, what's best for them. Um, cool. sure. Can you um, delve more into the chronic pain thing? Because we see a lot of that in our practice. <laughs> and I always go down the road of asking the lifestyle questions. And we do that with all of our clients anyways, when they come in to see us. But I strongly feel there's like a systemic inflammatory problem going on with chronic pain. And so it's always a conversation I have with those clients. Like, look, I can help you, but <laughs> you gotta be, you know, you gotta really want to change. Like you were saying, it's well, yeah. gonna require some nutrition changes. I'd like you to see Lee, or you know, I'd like you to see this integrative doc, um, and I want you to change your sleep habits, and not along with movement. You know, the things that we would do in PT, and and that can be hard for people, but it's amazing when they do those things. Like chronic pain is awful. So yes, man, and it takes a lot. Systemic. I had a client call this morning with a woman who um, she definitely has like what sounds like more systemic you know aches and pains a little bit but she has this localized issue that she's never really had evaluated by someone like you too and so it's like yes I can help you with like the 
the systemic like anti-inflammatory eating, you know, eating foods that really help lower inflammation. We know there are certain patterns of foods and diets, and I say diets in terms of the, of the overall way that we eat, not like just paleo or keto, but anti-inflammatory eating um, versus foods that would more promote inflammation, whereas her issue is so much, is so clearly something localized that needs to be evaluated by an expert. So I find that really nice to kind of make the distinction between acute type inflammation that um, needs to be addressed by experts like you versus the what I feel like the overall body inflammation that certainly there are a lot of things that play into it. Like if you're not sleeping or you're constantly stressed, you can eat the perfect diet, but that doesn't necessarily, <laughs> this, you can't substitute a supplement for eight hours of sleep at night. Yeah. Oh my gosh, sleep um, is so important. <laughs> and, I, and I say that as right before we press record, right? We're having this conversation and I'm telling Lee how bad COVID has been for me because I am somebody, I preach this to my clients, like going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, getting adequate sleep, seven to eight hours, good quality sleep, all important. And my schedule is so erratic now being stuck at home. I'm like, well, I'm going to bed at 11 o'clock, which is way late for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. waking up at all sorts of hours and I'm like I've got to get it together here because this is not good for me <laughs> well and it's tough too I think because well, some people all the work in... that you do all of the other go ahead Liz. go ahead technology problems <laughs> oh, that's okay um I was just um saying that all the things that you do or that you have done in the last several years give you more resilience and leeway when you have this you know, period of time where you have to kind of just survive or your, your world gets flipped upside down, that that allows you more wiggle room versus if you had been set up with continued through your twenties and early thirties in the, you know, not eating well or not moving and not prioritizing sleep, your debt, your hold just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper, whereas you're setting yourself up for a little more flexibility when you, when you are doing the late night, later night thing, but you can also appreciate how good it is to feel good that you want to get back to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's exactly what I was going to say. Like you've got a buffer and you've got enough sensitivity to know when you're on track or off of track too. And I think that, you know, that's the great thing about what you're doing, Lee, is the fact that like you're looking at the whole person in, you know, considering the context too, I think is huge. You know, somebody who is in acute pain, it's like, yeah, you might need to go see like a PT or you might need to go to urgent care versus if this is something that's been like smoldering for a couple of years. Yeah. There's probably like some lifestyle things that we can clean up off the bat. They're going to start moving that needle in a positive direction. So I think that that's really cool to hear you talk about that too. Cause I, we have that exact com- same conversation with people that we see where it's like, yeah, it kind of depends on who you are, where you're at, and where you want to go. So, mm-hmm. and how fast you want to get there. Yeah, yeah very personalized. So, mm-hmm. um, how would you describe that in your practice? Just that personalization, because I think we all practice that way, right? Like we spend a lot of time with our clients. It it is there's some similar concepts, right? Like everyone should sleep well, everyone should eat well, but that looks different for everybody too. So, can you yeah. explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So my goal, and I'm sure for you guys too, with clients is you build the most trust when you can make them feel better, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, when they can have some belief and like, okay, this is actually making a difference. Um, And with nutrition, 
because you're not just eating single nutrients at a time, you can't always say what's making the biggest difference, but um, certainly that is priority in meeting their goals first. So however I can personalize it, even kind of going off of what, what you just said, like what your goals are and their context um, is important. And sometimes, I shouldn't even say sometimes, very often with nutrition conversations, it's like, well, can I have this? Well, can I have that? It's like, sure, you can, absolutely. But here's your goal that you told me you want to be pain-free or you want to address this digestive issue. You can have whatever you want, but I may not be able to get you to your goals as quickly as as your as you told me that you want to get there. So, um, kind of that push pull and you know motivation, human motivation, and motivational interviewing. I find that really fun and interesting to find what is um, what makes certain people make decisions over others, like data driven mm -hmm. people versus this just feels right to me. And mm -hmm. I can kind of work with that because we do a lot of lab testing. So we can show you the numbers and this is what we can track. Or if somebody's like, well, I just know when I eat dairy, it impacts me this way. So that's another way where we don't have to necessarily track a number if they don't want to, but it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, mm -hmm. So lab testing is a way to personalize um, their motivation. Even sometimes knowing things like, their Enneagram um, or some, <laughs> I know that sounds, help. yeah, no, I love no, that. No. We're, we're all about, uh, we're all about personality <laughs> testing. Like we agree, like let, we'll, we'll start there. I, I am with you. Like you want to know if somebody's like an analyst, if they're like mm -hmm. more just kind of like experimental and we'll go with like anything you tell them to do or no, no, no. somewhere we in between. No, 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 we have to explain the background but, here. I'm laughing. That, the personality thing matters because <laughs> Yeah, like the Enneagram is like, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it because Jess will obviously tell this story differently. <laughs> so, but I'm, I was a psychology major before I was an exercise science major. So I'm very that. familiar with personality tests and I've taken, I think at least five different personality tests, like as an adult. And so uh -huh. when the Enneagram, like got, it got really popular in our church just a couple of years like ago. Everybody we know in our oh, group has it, taken it was Enneagram. The so it's everyone we know. It's like, what's your number? What's your number? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, the, it was like the tiger king of like, you know, like personality tests basically, you know, so, uh -huh. but yeah. Um, so when that came up, I was like, nope, I'm not taking it. I've taken five personality tests. Like I know who I am. Um, <laughs> I'm not taking it anymore. And so like, and this is my husband, like, can't force him to do anything. No. He'll do it when he wants to, which is our youngest working on potty training right now. I have to remember. I love right, it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It carries on. It carries on. But yeah, I think the personality piece is like super, super important, yeah. you know, as far as like how you can really kind of connect with somebody and figure out like, you know, really, again, what's important to them. I think at a base level and what really motivates them. Um, when you get that deep with somebody, I think that's when going back to that that conversation about connecting with the person who's in front of you, you know, and developing a relationship. We've had that conversation with a couple other people too, at, you know, who are providers like us. And I think that's what's missing in a lot of conventional medicine is it's like, it's in out. And it's like, you don't even know who that person is. Mm -hmm. If you've got 10 minutes with them where it's like, I know you take a ton of time with, with your folks, like when you see them, but also on the back end as well, as far as what yeah. you're looking at. And, and we try to take that same approach. I, that stuff, I think, is where it's at in terms of where medicine's going. And people are starting to recognize that difference, too. So, And I think it's huge what you said, too, just about 
really empowering the client, you know, when you were saying like, well, hey, you can make this decision, but that's your decision. And then you're going to have to deal with the consequences. And I've been that person, like, you know, for years I got rid of gluten like 99% of the time, but once a month or once every two months, we go on a date and I care. I, we'd have a pie, a piece of pie for dessert, you know, and we'd be at Rye, which if those of you are local, go to Rye, amazing restaurant, um, one of our favorites, but, um, you know, and I didn't really see any negative results until like many years later. And I'm like, you know, I just like, don't tolerate it well. Mm -hmm. And even though it's only once every two months, I just don't. And so that's the thing that like I stick to, I don't even cheat with it anymore. And I've learned, like it took me years to learn that, but that would, those are my decisions and I had to live with consequences. And I think like I've realized it's just something I have to just stay away from. And so I do. And, but, but that was a process too. So I do appreciate that and respect that with clients. And I try to follow the same approach because yeah. It's important to empower them. For sure. And you said something, I know sometimes you, you love to talk and I pay attention to every word you say. <laughs> so that word, that word cheat is one that I don't like because I think yeah. that gets people in trouble where they start mm -hmm. moralizing their food choices. And like yes. you said, Lee, it's like, hey, it's your choice as far as what you do. And this food is not good or bad, but it may not be the best food for you. So go into this with your eyes open and know kind of where you're at with this. I, I feel yeah. like that's a much better approach. And I, you, you kind of said a similar thing. I think that's really important. And like even Jess is saying, it's like, you got to know who you are and, and what, what these things and what these choices are going to do in terms of consequences. So. And part of the process is letting it, I mean, I'm very kind of hands off in terms of like, I, like, you have to follow these rules. That's never going to be my, Mm -hmm. approach with people but I think it's okay when people kind of experiment with having the piece of pie and then they get to see how it makes them feel um, or see kind of the result or wh whatever it might be or not taking certain supplements if they really it shows like in the lab that they really need something um, and seeing how that can steadily over time it's like oh they'll check in with me like not feeling as well as I was before and it's like okay let's kind of go through the checklist and it can be a number of different things it's not always food and nutrition related it may be I'm staying up till 11 30 at night or whatever it is <laughs> mm -hmm. um so but those little things that can kind of sneak back in um can help us remind remind the client or remind the person of well you were feeling really great at this point in time when you were doing all of these things so maybe we could try going back to some of that um, so personalization can I mean it takes so many different forms in in the mm. work but it's that's I think the fun in the job is that what each of you two need is going to be a little bit different for a lot of different reasons um, even taking into account family and mm -hmm. um, the where you work like I've had I had a client recently who switched from a job in a healthcare setting and then went to a more private company setting where they have all kinds of food and like drinks on, you know, soda and uh, even beer on tap and stuff like that. It's like, what that makes it, <laughs> that makes, it's like the cool working for the cool companies, but um, that makes it make it makes um, making healthy decisions a lot harder and just mm -hmm. looking at habit research they have a harder time. You're going to have a harder time when your environment, when you have all this stuff in your environment, whereas before it wasn't around you. So that changes their ability to make the choices that they want to make health-wise. Mm -hmm. Can you um, expand more on that? Because 
I think you just hit on something that's huge. And I hear this from a lot of clients either, well, my husband would never eat this if I made it, or I can't make three different meals. I get it. Neither can I. So, Mm -hmm. but my kids wouldn't like this. Like I hear that from clients. I have a hard time making whatever lifestyle changes it changes it is that I'm suggesting. And a lot of it is related to their support system or lack thereof, whether it's Mm -hmm. like you were saying a work environment and that's where we spend how many hours a week, right? 40 to 60 hours. So I do. and, And Tim and I take that for granted. I think like we eat relatively the same way. I mean, obviously there's a little bit of personalization with each of us and our supplements, but like you are very supportive of me, Tim. Mm-hmm. So like, it's easy for me to make changes because you support that. You keep me accountable. Like I couldn't do what I, I do, you know, if you, you weren't you. So I appreciate that. And our kids don't know any different. They've eaten what we give them from day one. And I'm thankful to have the knowledge I have where we didn't have to switch things over. Like now when they're eight, six and four, that'd be really hard if they're used to eating mac and cheese every day. (laughs) Like here's some broccoli. They probably look at me like I was nuts. Like I get it. Like I I don't understand fully because I have not had to deal with that, but I can appreciate that that's really difficult. And then, you know, that before we started our company, we worked at a clinic where everybody valued healthy eating. So I mean, it was a very supportive environment too. So man, like what advice do you have for people in situations like that? How do we get them to, to, to change when they have a really bad support system? Yeah. I try to be as realistic as I can and share with them the importance of, of those, of who they're surrounded with and how that influences their ability to make the choice. Like, you know, the person that I mentioned just before, I was like, you have a harder, you do have a harder context now. So the context of your decision-making is totally different. Whereas before a beer at 2.30 on a Tuesday was like not an option at your previous job now like (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's like something a decision that you maybe have to make maybe it's like automatically not but I I try to help them create an environment that makes the healthy choice whatever healthy means to them but the easiest choice um I I don't have experience pediatrically I guess when I when I worked at KU Integrative, we saw kids, but I don't see kids anymore. So the the factors playing into family meals, I love when families do it together. They're easily above and beyond more, quote, successful, or they mm-hmm. can reach their goals faster when they're like, well, I'm going to make this change, but, you know, my husband or, you know, my partner or whoever in the family that we're just all in. We're just going to do this as a family. And obviously if kids, kids have different nutritional needs. So if that means that they're going to get a little bit of something else because they just need it for growth. Um, but I, I love when that's the case, but I can't always, you know, factor that in. I just try to educate them that it's going to be easiest if you can make this as streamlined with, with you and your family as possible. And even inviting partners to come or to join on calls or in appointments, I've had that. And I think that's huge because they understand why then rather than, well, oh, this, you know, Lee told me that this and that, and they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But if I can explain it, they're like, oh, okay, this is going to make her have more energy. This is going to actually allow her to, um, you know, have the energy to like cook or not have to run to the bathroom after every meal or whatever it might that those are always helpful when everyone can understand the why um, mm-hmm. of what we're recommending. But it's, it's tough. That type of factor is definitely 
one of the hardest is when you're just working with a you know 30 something single person who has you know all the means to get the food that they can and they can cook their meals um, and they don't have anyone else to answer to that's a whole different story than you two but the fact that you are in it together makes it it's a game changer for sure I think yeah Yeah. the the community piece is huge that that's the thing we've seen over and over again is the people who have those supportive communities around them are the ones who seem to have you know the best outcomes Mm -hmm. so for sure but that yeah that is that's a challenging challenging situation prefer for sure like Jess said you know our kids don't know any different and even if they did we could get into a whole talk on parenting and philosophy. It's like, who's running the house here? And then I can channel my mom who always told me we're not running a restaurant. It's like, you're going to yeah, eat uh-huh. what we get. So yeah. So when that goes into the whole other thing, I would love to hear if you have any like biohacks for food prep and ways mm. to make things easier. Let's, let's not make this a biohacking I mean, podcast. But this biohacking. <laughs> this hacking. These are like sustainable practices here. But I mean, I'm asking for myself too, because I'm getting burnt out. And yes, I food prep almost every day of the week. We rarely ever eat out. I make every single meal. And Tim is fantastic, but I just happen to be less busy from a patient care standpoint. So I'm usually the one that does the cooking and you're always gracious. And I'm like, hey, you make breakfast today and we'll burn out. <laughs> You'll yeah. do it. But I would love to hear if you've got great ideas, um, things that maybe even I wouldn't think of about ways to prep healthy food that aren't like days worth of time every week. <laughs> I know. I don't know that I'm going to give you anything that you haven't heard before or thought about yourself, but certainly encouraging people to like batch cook when they mm-hmm. can as much mm-hmm. as they can. Um, if it's helpful to portion things out, I think, you know, I try to, as much as I can, tap into what's called intuitive eating, where people eat as much as they need to, like, feel full, given that we're taking into account that certain foods are going to make us feel more satisfied than others. Cheetos are less satisfying than something like, you know, vegetables and good quality protein and some good quality fat. Um, but having food just like in a container that you can kind of portion out on your own. Then if you need a little bit more, a little bit less, it's not like this portion box where if you finish it and you're still hungry, you can still have more. It doesn't mean you have to stop after you have your pre-portioned. So sometimes people will meal prep and kind of portion everything out. That that may work well for certain people and doesn't for others, but um, certainly just buying pre-cut things or even frozen, Mm -hmm. like frozen vegetables are just as healthy as fresh. Um, So sometimes even more so because they're picked, uh, harvested at the peak of ripeness. So you can even maintain those nutrients. Whereas a lot of other vegetables will be harvested early and then they end up kind of ripening and they lose some nutrients over time. So I think frozen, frozen is another hack. Um, you can certainly mm-hmm. just hire a personal chef, you know, to come into I your mean, house. I mean, surely. Are you <laughs> up for hire? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. If I had all the money in the world, that is the first thing I would hire. <laughs> I know. And you guys but, are kind of in the beginnings of, like, your kids are growing and you're yeah. just, the volume of food, I'm sure, is going oh my gosh, through yes. the roof. It that is. is definitely the thing the, that we spend the most money on every month. I, I would say age. just to encourage other parents. So the cool thing mm-hmm. we've seen with our six-year-old and almost eight-year-old is like um, they're actually interested now in like helping out. And so teaching them like some kitchen skills, like 
here's how you cut vegetables and fruit. And yeah. here's how you like warm things up, you know, that we've got pre-prepared yeah. for you. And they're really starting to kind of dial that in, which is good. Now, I, I think, you know, we're, we're so busy. We don't recognize these things sometimes, but it's like most days of the week now, it's like um, our older two kids who are not even that old make lunch for for themselves. And they're like fighting yeah. over who gets to do yeah. it. Yep. So that can be a parenting challenge. Yep. <laughs> this is not but a parenting I'd, I'd, podcast, much, I'd much rather that yeah. though than like, yeah, like Jess was saying, like having to make every meal. So mm-hmm. I think that's, yes. that's something that people can think about too. It's like, I, and for kind of type A personalities, you know, or people who like to kind of have everything just so I think it can be hard to kind of let go of that control, especially with little kids. But it's yeah. like, you know, like Jess was saying, it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of short-term pain, but the long-term payoff, kind of like you're talking about with some of these nutrition things, it's like, yeah, yeah it's going to be challenging at first to kind of make this transition, but the work you put in on the front end is going to pay dividends on the back end. That's what we're even starting to see already with our kids, where it's like, they're starting to figure out those things. And it's like, man, what a relief. Cause it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah we've been going at this for like, you know, seven, eight yeah. years almost. Eight as far as, eight on July 8th. Yeah. Just, so yeah, cooking all the kids food. So that, that's yeah. been, that's been huge for us. And that's just been in the last probably six months or so. Yeah. So, well, and I think what you said too about a food prep day, I mean, that is game changer too. Like we didn't do, and we always make simple things. Like we just don't have time. We make healthy yeah. food, but it is not complicated. Like man, I'd think about the things we, we made before we had kids and they were like gourmet food. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for that now. As much as I love it, like that's what I get when I get to eat and there's, on a date with there's, you, week, so. there's weekday meals and there's weekend meals. Yes. That's how we categorize it. But so. one of our clients, um, this was a phenomenal gift for Christmas. It was one of Tim's clients. She gave us um, cook once, eat all week. And I'm forgetting yes, the author. I was going to mention that book. Um, yeah, Cassie it. Joy Garcia. And it's more yeah. like as a business owner, busy parent, decision fatigue. I have my grocery list set out. She tells me if I need to double things. It tells me how to prepare everything. Like I don't have to think about a thing. Like when all I have to do is too, yeah. read instructions and do what I'm told to do. And it does take about half a day to do that. But then I have meals now for a family of five. I don't get meals for every night of the week. I get three nights, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's okay. Like that's huge. And that saves a ton of time. And um, that's been huge for us. So I think any little step that you can take out of it, whether it's buying pre-cut something rather than mm-hmm. like a bunch of kale, getting the huge bag of pre-cut kale, or I mean, you mm-hmm. can name whatever thing um, is in you're right. I, that decision fatigue, especially for parents is mm-hmm. huge. So I was going to, um, that book came to mind too, a colleague of mine that I follow, she, she does that, um, and mm-hmm. loves it. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it's a great resource. We've sure. gone through we the whole book that. at least once and we're kind of making our rounds back through it again and everything is delicious. So that's been great. Like that I, I can trust that and we've gone through it, but you know, as I'm going through it, realizing everything's good. Like I know the next week of meals is going to be good because yeah, everything's been great. So yeah, that's been good. I want to kind of keep on this track a little bit because, you know, I think giving people resources like this they can use is really great. And I think, um, man, we could probably spend another hour, even though we don't have it, just talking about like, there's some really interesting things. And maybe it's just like in the echo chamber I'm in that, that I hear being talked about as it relates to like performance and longevity with nutrition and kind of the two that are coming to mind that are kind of, I would say most recent are the ketogenic diet 
And there's like a variant of that now that I've seen over the last probably like 12 to 18 months, which is the carnivore diet. And I don't know if you've seen much talk about that, but like from, (laughs) from a standpoint as like a hard training man, I'm like, Hmm, more steak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board with that. This is Tim's personal question for you. What you got for him, Lee? (laughs) Well, it is our podcast. I should be able to ask a couple questions. (laughs) Whatever you want to ask. You may not like my answer, but. No, no, that's okay. I want to hear about those things because I've, I've experimented with keto diet and this is like a whole other conversation, but like it, it didn't work for me well. And it was kind of that external versus internal thing. It's like externally, I lost almost 20 pounds in just short of a month's time. And I didn't have 20 pounds to lose. And so like it was, yeah, it was really profound. But then when we kind of looked under the hood and started doing some advanced kind of cardiometabolic testing, it was like, yeah, this thing's really doing a number on some of your cardiometabolic numbers and like not in a good way. And so we kind of discovered through some testing, it's like, yeah, probably not the right diet for you now, like maybe down the road, because I've got like some neurodegenerative, like, you know, um, genetic, you know, traits that it could be helpful down the road. But right now, you don't need to be like pounding, you know, 200 grams plus of like dietary fat every day. So, yeah, Um, I mean, there are a lot of because the other thing when I think about longevity is. Uh, like intermittent fasting, which mm-hmm. I know goes kind of along ketogenic and mm-hmm. getting into ketosis, but um, like the more plant-based ketosis, which I'm th- oh Prolon, which is um, Dr. Walter Longo. So there's yeah. almost like the vegan, the keto, and the carnivore. So carnivore being more protein, fat, keto, obviously fat, and then you have the plant-based. And mm-hmm. I think it's just I could say a zillion things about all of it. So I'll just say that we want like the answer. And a lot of times we're so influenced by people's individual stories. So like mm-hmm. people would see one of you two say like, let's say, Tim, you do keto and you lose and lose the weight. And let's say you don't even know your metabolic markers. So you assume that they're really great because you don't measure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is working for me. Well, then your neighbor or one of your clients thinks like, okay, well, that's right for me. And it's really not necessarily. And when you kind of break it down, (laughs) the more really balanced where you're getting some fat, some good quality plant-based, you know, carbohydrates and quality protein. Like if you could do a carnivore diet and I knew how the animal was raised, what they were eating and what Mm -hmm. they were, were injected with or not injected with and how they you know, what kind of stress they even had and how they were living their lives, that is a whole different thing than like these factory rays, like pump them full of steroids to be able to get them to gain weight faster. That's a whole different animal that you're eating than one that's actually eating grass and pasture. And there's a different nutrient quality. There's the fat in that meat. The omega-3s are higher when they're eating grass and weeds than when they're eating corn. So and even the organ meats are one of the most nutrient dense foods. So like I'm um, eating like heart and liver and kidney. And I know that sounds gross to some people, but that is some of the most nutrient dense food, but that mm-hmm. coming from one animal that's raised a certain way versus another. So going on a carnivore diet or going on a vegan diet or going on a keto diet, that can mean a zillion different things because you can eat mm-hmm. different qualities 
a food, or you can think you're following keto, keto and you're not even actually in ketosis and burning ketones. So I always like use any of the, the extreme approaches with caution and very rarely because not only is it um, not appropriate for every individual um, just because it works for your neighbor, but it's also not very sustainable in terms of like a real life pulling it off, like, and keeping it, like I said, that 30 something person who only has themselves to answer to is a whole different ball game than, you know, you two, if, if you wanted to do something a little bit more extreme though, that, that the reality of following that over a long period of time is um, not very realistic. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that like that, that I think people don't consider how it can be very socially isolating when you're doing something yeah. like that. So well, and exactly. even like Tim is always interested in the performance side of things because he trains so hard and I don't mind getting personal. Like Lee, you and I had this conversation, even for me, about a year ago. Right. And I was like, man, like, you know, my thyroid numbers are kind of off. This is the first time in like seven years. And you're like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm actually training now. <laughs> okay. And you're like, well, Jess, like, that's a good thing. Don't stop doing that. But that's a stressor for your body you have a history of autoimmunity, like don't stop training, but Hey, maybe add some of these things in. And we were talking about my carbohydrate load. And when I actually started looking at my numbers, I don't track my food. I eat when I'm hungry. I eat quality food, you know, so I've never done that before. And talking about the whole ketosis thing, I don't think I was truly in ketosis, but realizing, holy cow, my fat intake is way higher than I realized. My protein intake is really inadequate. And so is my carbohydrate intake and tweaking those numbers was a game changer for me. And I've been eating clean for like seven years, but that doesn't mean that we are static beings, right? Like we change over time, our life circumstances change and that factors into us as human beings. Right. So, and so that saying, is such a key piece. I can't eat eggs for breakfast every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. That's a bummer for you. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. Well, but then you get the people who are like, well, my grandpa had bacon and eggs and smoked and, you know, drank yep. and lived to a hundred. And I'm like, you are right. And sometimes my job feels like, well, it really doesn't matter what you eat, but it, but it does. Yeah. All the factors at play. And some people like those people have other wonderful factors. Like we can't understate. And I love that you brought up the social um, indicators of health or social factors of health. If you're lonely, I mean, if you're, that is a huge risk factor for health outcomes. So I'm not trying mm -hmm. to say that nutrition is like the only one and only answer to things. Um, community, social, not, you know, loneliness, sleep, um, stress food, movement, um, all of it plays in. So I don't, I don't want to try to falsely make it seem like food is the answer to all things, but, um, no, well, it's certainly a huge, I mean, it's one of those, we call it one of the four pillars, you know, it's like you, you got to have that dialed in along with those other things, the community side, mm -hmm. you know, the movement side, the, the stress management side, which includes sleep as well, like being able to manage all that stuff. Yeah, makes a huge difference. And, and we see it, I'm sure you do too. It's like when one or more of those things starts to kind of like go off the chart in terms of like too much stress or too little sleep or too many like meals out and lack of quality food. It's like, like we were talking about earlier with Jess, it's like, yeah, you can only buffer that stuff for so long, you know? And yeah. I certainly experienced that too. I mean, it was, you know, I look back at like, you know, 
how I was raised as a teenage athlete, what I was able to get away with in my 20s. And it's like, yeah, but it's not like it all fell apart when I turned 30. But like when I started really looking at that and trying to dial in like, man, how do I just hold the line? It wasn't like I was trying to set Olympic records. It was just how do I continue to do the things that I want to do for as long as I want to do them? That's when I started to notice like, yeah, the quality of the food that I ate and was I sleeping and recovering and, you know, was I yet getting to bed at a a decent hour? And did I spend a lot of time in, even in that movement piece, you know, it was kind of like Jess was talking about. It's like, was I trying to just go as hard as I could every single time? Or did I have some days for recovery plugged in there? Like, I think all that stuff is just huge. If, if you're talking about like, we have been just the long game, you know, and I think that's what, you know, a, a lot of people we work with, you know, we're seeing now are thinking the same things. And I'm sure you're seeing that too, where people are thinking about, it. it's like, yeah, I'm not just concerned about how I feel tomorrow. It's like, I want to be able to like play with my kids and my grandkids and like yeah. be able to live the physical life that I want to live for as long as I can live it. You know, that, that quality of life thing is yeah, really big. Visiting so friends and family, like all the things that bring meaning to our life. I mean, that's what we hear from a lot of our clients, you know? Like, yeah, I just, yeah. I want to be able to do the things that I love versus being stuck at home or using an assistive device or, you know, those things aren't yeah. fun. Nobody looks at their older life and think, oh, I, I want to be that person. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, so. And connecting daily decisions to those bigger outcomes, which is mm. always really hard because like you said, you put in the work, the hard work of those decisions and those changes that pay off in the long run. And sometimes that's harder to grasp because in the moment, the, you know, the pizza or the ice cream or not that you can never have those things, but those decisions accumulate to what you end up mm-hmm. becoming essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. We call it the arithmetic. Like <laughs> you ever look at yeah. like, yeah, your, your screen time on, on your iPhone oh. and like, look at how much time you spend not to. on social media. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll talk about this offline later. Lee. But no, it's like, you look at things like that. And like, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, all right, if you just spent an hour a day on social media, that's seven hours a week. And mm-hmm. over the course of a year, that's a little over two months worth of like, 40 hour a week work on social media, just an hour a day. And I'm like, Hmm, what else could I do with like two months of like work time, you know, added in. And it's like, we don't even realize how things like that in like foods kind of the same way. It's like, man, how many bad choices, you know, can I make before this thing catches up with me, you know? And I, I think people sometimes don't think in those kind of numerical or you know, arithmetic sort of ways, but it's like, Mm -hmm. man, that stuff, it counts, you know, whether or not you see it at the time or not. So. Yeah. And usually you don't, which it makes it harder to make the decision. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Lee, this has been awesome. We'll have to have you on again because I know we could talk for like another three hours. (laughs) (laughs) We'll definitely get you back because there's lots more we can discuss with the nutrition and with your expertise, but where can our listeners find you? Um, so my website, drleewagner.com, or I mostly hang out on Instagram. So at Dr. Lee Wagner. Lovely. And guys, I would encourage everyone to follow her. She's always got phenomenal tips and recipes and pictures and all sorts of great things. So check her out. You guys will, um, be definitely better for it. And Lee, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. you. Thank you guys. So fun.
Thank you for listening to the Healthy Kansas City podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at RestoreThrive.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Restore Thrive is the home to Kansas City's top physical therapy and performance training practice. We're all about helping active individuals and athletes get back to the activities and sports they love without pills, injections, or surgeries. At our core, we believe that you should be able to grow strong and age gracefully. So whether you're trying to get ready for your next race, ready for your next workout, ready to keep up with your kids, pretty much ready to win at the game of life. Check us out and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Restore Thrive. Until next time, be well, everyone.